you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Foles back in the saddle here for you <laughs> alongside my man, Bucky Brooks. I love it. I, I, I'm just going to go around introducing Nick Foles now. I'm also known as Nick Foles. <laughs> Uh, hey everybody, Rhett Lewis here uh, with Buck again, uh, DJ out today, and uh, we got a fun episode today. We're going to take a look at the wildcard round matchups on Sunday, which I'll be in the house for here on NFL Network, a little game day highlights action. Oh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, good good lot, fun there. A lot, a, lot of, a lot of fun. Good fun. We'll all the, all the games game. one at one time. Yeah, yeah, we'll do some <laughs> post games, some uh, halftime probably as well. It's all right here on NFL Network, and then we're also uh, going to be joined by the uh, – color voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide as they get set for the national championship game on Monday. John Parker Wilson, former Alabama quarterback, will join us here shortly uh, as well. That'll be a good time as we preview Alabama and Clemson. Uh, Buck, uh, you want to get started here with the wild card matchup? We'll kick it off in Baltimore. This is the second game in three weeks for the Chargers and Ravens, this time in Baltimore. Does that make a difference? Uh, I mean, I think it makes all the difference in the world for the Baltimore Ravens um, playing a home game in front of that crowd, uh, being able to get those guys excited, uh, the fans and everything embracing Lamar Jackson and what he's been able to do to that running game. I think it does have an opportunity to give them a significant advantage. Um, when I look at this, yeah. I mean, and, and just looking at the numbers, the Baltimore Ravens are averaging 250 yards on the ground. 45 <laughs> rushing attempts yeah. since Lamar Jackson has taken over. Lamar Jackson is averaging on his own almost 80 rushing yards a game. I mean, we've never seen a quarterback have that kind of impact on the ground game. And yet, when you look, his passer rating for rookie quarterbacks was second behind Baker Mayfield. Solid. Um, yeah, it's been solid enough, and each week they've given him a little more. And so you're the Chargers. You saw this offense a couple weeks ago. You did a decent job. You held them to under, I think, 200 yards, something about 160 or so. But you still have to deal with all of the new iterations and variations that they throw at you uh, each week. And it's just tough. It's just tough to deal with it. And you got to figure out a way to make them uncomfortable. And the only way that you really can make them uncomfortable is by making them play from behind. Right. But you're throwing into the teeth of their number one defense. So do you work <laughs> right. against yourself by trying to be aggressive? So a couple of things on this one for me. Chargers actually held the Ravens to their lowest rushing total mm -hmm. of the Lamar Jackson starting era yep. uh, this year. Now, if they can do that again, they'll give themselves a shot. Because if you remember watching that Week 15 game, gosh, I kept thinking, well, Ravens have the ball the whole time. Uh, it. But somehow the Chargers were in the game. Antonio Gates doesn't fumble. They might win this ball game. Yep. You know, so again, it'll be about turnovers. And I actually feel like the Chargers run game might be even more important. They it ran is. for just 41 yards against the Ravens. Melvin Gordon had 41 yards. It was his first game back from the injury. He's now got a couple of weeks under his belt here. Maybe he's more healthy. Uh, 
But the way Phillip Rivers has been playing the last three weeks, three touchdowns, six interceptions. That's a problem. Got to run the ball, limit the amount of times that ball's in the air, limit the amount of times that that Ravens defense can turn it over and give it back to Lamar. That's how the Chargers win this thing. So it's funny. Coming in, I was listening to Sirius NFL Radio, and Anthony Lynn was being interviewed. And he talked about playing the Ravens. And the one thing that he he talked about, he said the style of play that the Ravens have, the way they play, they're going to make every game be a close game a fourth quarter game so you just have to know that it's going to be a tight game and he said what we need to do is to start fast to make them uncomfortable by putting them down a couple different scores then what was funny i called a buddy who was a defense coordinator league and i was like hey what do you think about like being aggressive against the ravens to start out because he said in a way when you do that you play into their hands (laughs) because the way that you can beat the ravens is you got to out raven the ravens meaning you need to make their offense uncomfortable. You need to be committed to running the ball so you retain possession and make them have to kind of play catch-up in a different way. But if you come out and think you're going to throw it all over the yard against their defense, which is their defense is built to defend the pass, you're creating an opportunity for them to get a turnover, a short field, something bad to happen, and then you look up, it is just like the Week 15 game. Right. You're now down 10-3, 13-3, and you spend the rest of the game chasing points as opposed to being able to play in a standoff. I think if you're the Chargers, you play a little more conservatively early because you feel like you got the better quarterback. So if yeah. it gets into the fourth quarter and the game is tight, you should feel like Phillip Rivers can get us over the hump. Don't lose the game in the first half. Just try and find a way to stay close yeah. and then win it in the second half. What's he had? I think he's had three interceptions in the first quarter in the last three weeks. I think – Two of the last three that have been on the first possession. Like you, you cannot put yourself in a hole against a team that's going to grind it out, and and this will be a limited possession game. So just you got to make them count. Yeah, you got you yeah. got you have to make them count. Right. And playing in their place with all of those, uh, yeah, goons and stuff that are being in the stands, <laughs> you don't want to give them anything to be excited about right. early in the game. Right. And then the other thing will be, um, DJ had talked about this in the past. The Chargers had gotten away with playing a lot of undersized bodies on defense, meaning they were playing their sub package, nickel and dime, putting DBs in at linebacker spots, and that is how they play really, really good defense. The issue when you do that against the Baltimore Ravens, the Baltimore Ravens line up in 12 personnel. They'll throw three tight ends at you. Three tight ends. And so now you have your littles trying to face the bigs, and they're coming downhill. Um, In the first game, the Chargers did a really good job of having a defender assigned on Lamar Jackson. And he did a good job of kind of running them down. They, they, they played the option really well, and that, and that is great. You have to play man-to-man. But in playing man-to-man, you're susceptible to big plays. So your guys on the outside have to be able to hold up. And so this game really would come down to the perimeter and can the Chargers DBs hold up against the skill guys for the Ravens? Because if, if they're playing cover zero and really – committed to stopping Lamar, if Lamar takes shots, there are going to be some home run opportunities there. Yeah, It's a matter of which squad wins those 50-50 balls. The X factor is Hunter Henry. Absolutely back. coming back. Who knows? I mean, he hasn't knows? really you know, played competitively in over a year, calendar year, you know, so that makes you wonder a little bit. And then uh, lastly, Chargers don't lose when they get on a plane. Nah, they've been right? great. They were they've undefeated been great on, the on the road, road save for the game here in L.A. against the Rams. Yep. And even the home game, they played in London. They yeah, so they've been. One. I mean, so they've, they've, they they've they've been it. they've been good. Yeah. They're battle tested. They have a great defense. They have an experienced quarterback. But it's been a while. You know, it's been a while since they've been able to get on track. 
Okay, we'll end up, uh, once that game is in the books, we will kick off in Chicago. The Bears hosting a playoff game as the NFC North champs. They are welcoming the defending Super Bowl champs, the Philadelphia Eagles, led by me. Uh, back in that's right Nick Foles is back back. Uh, all right how do you see this one what what do you see as your matchup to watch in this one man this is a thing like I just did a thing in my notebook where I was rating the quarterbacks how I see the quarterbacks going into the playoffs and I put Nick Foles at number three behind Drew Brees and Russell Wilson ahead of Tom Brady hey and when I looked the last eight games that he has played in December and January he's undefeated like Un, he's unbeaten. Like you can't. He's, he's the highest-rated playoff passer in NFL history. You, I mean, so we can say what we want, but in the postseason, this is when it really works for them. And looking at what has also happened, Darren Sproles has come back. He's given them a matchup option on third downs. They've been hitting the back out the backfield. The two tight ends that they have, um, Zach Ertz and then Dallas Goddard, they're working them. And then Alshon Jeffrey, for whatever reason, he and Nick Foles have a chemistry and a connection that makes it very tough. Defensively, Jim Swartz has done a really good job. This game is going to come down to, and I know every Bear fan kind of cringes, it's Mitchell Drabisky. Yeah. Can the young quarterback score enough points to handle whatever the Eagles do? And can he make enough plays in the passing game? He has terrific athleticism. They've been using his legs. He can run around. Uh, Their running game with Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen has been solid. But at the end of the day, he is going to have to make five to six plays in the passing game that creates separation for the Bears against the Eagles, and we'll just have to see if he's able to do it. That's a good That's a good way to break it down for Trubisky. It's going to come down to five or six big throws for him, or maybe even – like big runs, yep. you know, maybe maybe it's third, third, down. third and 12. Third and down and red zone. On a scramble, right? Yeah. Um, so to me, the perfect stat line for Trubisky is 20 of 25, mm-hmm. 19 of 24 Somewhere for about there. 220. I don't even care if he throws a touchdown as long as he doesn't throw a pick. You, you know can't turn I mean? the ball over. And, in and, this game, yeah. in this game, which is different for the Bears because the Bears are inexperienced when it comes to the playoffs. Playing at home, that look, it's going to be tough to deal with the conditions at Soldier Field. Best fan base, one of the best fan bases you will find. But the Eagles are battle tested. They are coming off a season where they won the Super Bowl. They yeah. understand the speed of the game and the intensity. And so, the first quarter will be one to watch. Do the Bears continue to play fast and aggressive like Matt Nagy has done, or do they kind of ease into the fight? Yeah, the Eagles know how the physicality and toughness and urgency kind of picks up. Will the Bears be ready for that kind of fist fight? Here's my one matchup to watch in this one. We broke it down on NFL Playbook uh, Wednesday on NFL Network. Alshon Jeffrey mm. has come alive since Nick Foles has come back into the lineup. Week 15 against the Rams was his best game of the season at 160 yards. He's had his best his best three-game stretch of catch percentage, which means catches on targets, of any three-game stretch he's had this season. Mm. He is a bigger part of the pass game and a more effective part of the pass game with Nick Foles, a quarterback, and this is his first game back in Chicago mm. since leaving the Bears. So that's that's one to watch uh, for me and can the Bears' secondary match up with him because even when he's covered, he's open. He's open. There you go. All right, that's a look there at our wild card round games on Sunday. Now time for our conversation with the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide, John Parker Wilson. All right, John Parker, so glad to have you here with us, man. Uh, You know, what a great career you had from 2005-2008 as a quarterback for Alabama. Spent two seasons with Nick Saban as your head coach. And now your first season as the color voice of the Crimson Tide. How cool has this year been for you getting to be on the call for these games? 
you know, so far it's going pretty good. 13 and 0. Um, you know, Coach Saban was nice enough to let me come back and do this after playing for him for two years. So I tell you what, it's, I had no idea. I've never called a game before this year, but it's been so fun to get in there. Kind of pregame is just like going out to play for a game, get those butterflies right before the kickoff. But uh, it's been a it's been a good learning experience and trying to get better every week, just like playing ball. Uh, you know, and, and thinking about that, because you do have a unique perspective, having played for the head coach, and now you sit in the booth and you're able to watch this team and kind of watch the evolution of the quarterbacks. How much has he changed in terms of the way that he manages his offense from the time that you played for him to the time that you re-entered the press box to watch him up top? So it's it's been kind of completely night and day. I mean, when I was playing, we were still doing – Seven-step drops, play action to the fullback, <laughs> running two tight end sets. There's not even a fullback on scholarship anymore. So it's changed, but I, to be honest with you, I think that's one of the things that makes Coach Saban so special and unique, that he's not scared to adapt. He's not scared to change, especially on offense, dating back to Lane Kiffin and now Mike Loxley, what he's been able to do. Mm. I mean, I wish we had these RPOs like they do now back when I was playing. I, I bet you do. You know, and it's kind of – I like what you uh, what you mentioned there about Coach Saban because listening to a lot of the things um, that he says, complacency creates a blatant disregard for doing what's best. So even when you find the ultimate success, how do you get better at it the next year? How would you describe, like, his pursuit of better, of improvement? It, it's relentless. It, it, <laughs> it really is. From the second they won the national championship last year to now – getting ready for this one. It's 365 days a year. It's always trying to improve. Whatever you're trying to do is trying to get better. I think that's been a, a unified message that he's had since he got there and why they're able to continue being good from one year to the next with new players, with new coordinators. Look, it changes a lot at Alabama, but his process has remained the same. You know, in, in thinking about that process, uh, the process of developing quarterbacks. Alabama obviously has two really good quarterbacks in Jalen Hurst, and then you have Tua. Um, we've seen Jalen be the supportive backup player. What is it about Tua that has separated him from some of the other quarterbacks that have played at Alabama prior to his arrival? Uh, you know, I, I think Tua's a special player. He's a special talent that you don't see every year or every other year. He just kind of got that innate ability, came in, Last year in the national championship game, we saw what he did in the second half. I think he's continued to get better. His presence is unbelievable. He's got extremely quick release. He's deadly accurate. He's got a really good feel for the defense. But I think the word you just said was development has been the biggest thing that we've seen this year with Mike Loxley and dedicated quarterback coach Dan Enos was Jalen, when he had to come in the SEC championship game, probably didn't make some of those throws last year that he did this year, but came in with confidence you know, had a big third down completion early and then some completions later in the game, one touchdown pass to tie it. His ability to, to get better is pretty remarkable from being a two-year starter to now being a pretty, I think, good passer. What does it say about this program and, and about Jalen uh, also in particular while we're on the quarterbacks here that in this age of – you know, you're not the starter, I'm out of here. Let me go find another place to play. Uh, the ability to keep two high-quality quarterbacks on the roster ready to play and obviously play at a high level when called upon. Look, it, it's unbelievable what took place with yeah. with Jalen being 26-2 and two as a starter, losing his drive in the second half of the national championship game to give it up to the most prolific passer in school history, but to be able to continue the leadership 
and have the kind of personality character that he does. I mean, if you're not doing the right things all year long, when you're the backup, if you're not getting ready for the game and you have to come in at the fourth quarter of the SEC championship game, you don't get it done like he did. So, you know, Coach Saban's recruiting good guys, but that's a good quarterback room right now, two good high-quality guys. You know, when you look at this team and having watched them and watched them kind of run through SEC competition, you watched them in the semifinals uh, to kind of dismantle Oklahoma, what would you say the biggest advantage that Alabama enjoys over Clemson heading into this matchup? You know, I think they're two really, really good match teams, really similar teams of what they're trying to do. You, you would typically say with an Alabama team, it's experience, but but Clemson has been there just as many times. I, I think it's the depth of Alabama and their playmakers. I mean, they got five guys right now that can go out and catch the ball and be number one receivers. And I include Irv Smith as, as a receiver because he can split out and hurt you just as bad running routes as he can block. And, and the, the dimension of trying, okay, we're going to try to take away the pass game. Well, then you got Damian Harris, and you saw what Josh Jacobs did in the playoff game. I mean, this is just a well-rounded team. And to beat them, you've got to be balanced on offense, defense, and especially the defensive line has got to get pressure to free up some of those secondary Guys, so I think it's the uh, the weapons on offense that really sets this team apart. It certainly seems like to me, and John Parker, you can certainly speak to this. The best group of skill players at collectively last decade that Alabama's had, would you say? Yeah, I'd, I'd venture to go back further than further that. Than I'm that, not yeah. a historian like right. I sh- like I should be, but uh, you know, from Jerry Judy, Devontae, Henry Ruggs, true freshman Jalen Waddle. Anybody can beat you. Anybody's had their game where they're the number one guy. Two spreads the ball around. Yeah. And then they, you know, as soon as you start trying to figure those out, Josh Jacobs hits you in the face. So then knowing what Alabama has, and obviously I'm sure you've, you know, watched a ton of Clemson games this year as well. Where do you see Clemson trying to take advantage of this of this Alabama team? Whether it's offense, defense, what, what do you see as, their, as a place that they're going to try to exploit? I think it's got to be the defensive line has to be able to got to get pressure. If Alabama's had a weakness this year, uh, and we can call it a weakness, that's relative. Sure. But it's been with against team like uh, Montez Sweat and Jeffrey Simmons at Mississippi State who can rush up the middle and affect the passer with just four guys rushing. So if Al- if Clemson's going to be able to slow down Alabama, it's going to be have to with their be with their defensive line play for sure. You know, in, in flipping that and looking at. Alabama's defensive line, everyone is buzzing over Williams. Quentin Williams is one of the dominant players. We saw him dominate the Oklahoma game. What is it about him that kind of puts him as the next great Alabama Crimson Tide defensive lineman that's going to have an impact on the National Football League? I don't think there's any question that he's going to do that. And It's just like the long line of Alabama guys, the defensive line, you don't know their name because they've got guys like Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne playing in front of them. So he's learned from these guys. And, you know, teams have tried to double team him with guard and center, bring in the running back. But his power, I think his motor is nonstop. And the, just the strength that he has as a redshirt sophomore, I mean, he affects games solely by himself. Didn't have a lot of stats this game. But, man, I don't think if he was getting up the middle against Kyler Murray, Kyler has a little more time to throw it. And he's elusive if he was. It was number 92 just wreaking havoc back there. Quarterback to quarterback. What do you see in Trevor Lawrence? He's good. I mean, <laughs> he he can he could to be a freshman like he is to be yeah. able to feel it kind of like Tua. You got to have good feel. You got to you got to be a player, and that's what he is. He's a good passer. He can sit in the pocket. He looks great doing it. 
but he's just a player and you got to go out there and make plays. And I think, you know, we've seen it now. And I think the big part of this is these guys are doing it in high school. Now they're starting seven on seven when they're middle school, they're getting these reps that typically, you know, we were out, I was out playing baseball or basketball. They're, they're getting these reps now when they're in high school. So they're coming prepared to play in college. You know, if there's one X factor from the Alabama side in this game, who would you say it could be? You know, that, that, that's a good question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out here. It's going to be the kicker. Um, yes. I, I think these big games come down to turnovers, and you got to be able to make a big kick. I thought it was going to be in the SEC championship game. Luckily, Jalen scampered in for the quarterback, <laughs> drawing a touchdown. Right. But at some point, you're going to have to make a big kick, and I think this week will be it. So, John Parker, just just thinking um, of this run here since Nick Saban has become the head coach, we touched on it briefly there at the top of our conversation here, but with a national championship this year, he would break the record he currently shares with Bear Bryant uh, for his seventh. So, (laughs) um, when you go back and look at the body of work, and knowing, you know, how he believes success is, is not a continuum, it's momentary, and it's about your ability to continue uh, and to thrive in each moment. How would you, like, best describe, um, like, the defining quality of this success, of this continued success in this run? You know, I, I think there's a lot of things, and the process that he has built has stood the test of time. I think it's relentless, relentless yeah. pursuit. It's yeah. no matter – what's going on. He's trying to get better. He's trying to make everybody else better. He hires great people around him. But man, look what he did with just his assistant staff of, of elevating everybody around him. Because he knows it's not just him. You got to have a good offense coordinator. You got to have Kirby Smart. You got to have Taj Lupoy. He gets good guys around him and it makes them better. Lastly here, we'll get you out of here on this one. I mean, you mentioned you get the nerves as a team comes out of the tunnel before the first call and everything, but this you're calling a national championship game uh, on the radio here for a rabid fan base. I mean, like, do you have a do you have a call ready? Do you have something ready if uh, if you guys are able to hoist the crystal again? No, I don't. Look, Eli <laughs> Gold, he's our play by play guy. I've been doing it for thirty years, so I'm just trying to act like a quarterback, react to what's on the field. I don't have any one. Yet, so I guess I got to develop that as the years go on. Uh, well, congratulations here on your first season as the uh, as the color commentator for the Alabama Crimson Tide Radio. Uh, we look forward to uh, to watching the game and and listening to your call. And I wish you all the best, my man. Appreciate it, guys. Roll Tide. All right, that was fun there, getting to get some insight from John Parker Wilson, the voice of the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide there. I'm sure he's uh, he's going to enjoy that call, um, having uh, not gotten a chance to play in a national title game as uh, as a player for Saban, but now uh, kind of getting to uh, watch it with a bird's eye view. And uh, we're all obviously going to be watching this game. And uh, I, from afar, Bucky, have been watching the pick standings. Mm-hmm. And I... You made a concerted effort this year mm. to bump yourself up the standings, and I, I don't started remember. Fast. You started, started fast. fast. And, started uh, fast and ran out of gas. Okay, so we we you know we've got you at the bottom of the barrel. This is a five point game, but I mean you know 102 wins. I mean, that's pretty good, right? It doesn't. It, matter. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Kent and Sully are tied at 117 and 54 within striking distance of DJ, who is on top by a game. So this is technically a five-point game, right, in the college pick but it doesn't doesn't really matter. DJ is picking Alabama. So, Kent and Sully, you guys are just – explain this. Do you actually believe Clemson is going to win, or are you just picking them? They have to pick them. They have to pick them. In order to they, get a win. 
Yeah, you have to. It was two years ago, the same situation. I needed Clemson to come through to beat Alabama with the five-pointer to win the first of our college pick'em right. championships. I'm now two-time defending champ. I'm trying to go for <laughs> trying to Just go for drop the three that peat, in. Yep. Trying to go for the three-peat. And you know what? If Sully and I have to do a little Nebraska-Michigan 97 co-champions, uh-huh. UCF last year claimed they were a co-champion. <laughs> They didn't win it on the field. Sully and I are going to try to win this one on the field. You guys going to have your own parade? We're going to okay. go for the Clemson Tigers in this one. And look, it should be a really good game. These are two yeah. of the most talented teams in the country, two teams that pretty much never lose to anybody not named Alabama or Clemson. So if Clemson wins, DJ doesn't win again, and Sully and I end up being co-champs, which I'll take it at this point. I Sadly, I went with my heart for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish over Clemson <laughs> in the Cotton Bowl. Had I not done that, yeah. I could have probably taken Bama and thus maybe had a victory. Maybe. But go Tigers. I have my, my older brother and his wife, who's a Clemson grad. They'll be up there in Santa Clara watching oh, this cool. game. So my family's supporting Clemson for this game. I'll support Clemson. So I'm all in, as Dabo says, all in. Go, go, go yeah. Tigers for this. <laughs> Apparently you can buy uh, tickets to the game now for, like, peanuts. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah, they're coming down. They're 130 coming down. bucks for a national championship game ticket? They're less money than that Ravens-Chargers game out in StubHub was a couple weeks ago. <laughs> well, the, the reason is you look it's at a bad spot. The, well, yeah. these fan bases. Like yeah. Both of the fan bases are coming from the deep south to come all the way out west, California. And I'm not going to lie, the prices, the, the pl- tickets. The now, that's tickets, what's expensive, right? Everything has got right. hotel prices up. Yeah. Like, so, I don't know. I don't know why you would. Maybe it's maybe out. it's fatigue as well for these two maybe. fan bases. Maybe <laughs> might be a little fatigue. Been here, done that. Uh, just just to quickly go back, uh, as Sully was mentioning, he um, uh, he picked Notre Dame to win over Clemson. He wasn't the only one. Well, I did. So- Sully didn't. I picked. Notre yeah, Dame. you did. Yes. Right. Uh, bucket. You okay? I had with a steak, steak dinner. dinner. I had yeah. a steak dinner on that. Yeah. I, was, I was trying, to, and I thought with ten points I would be protected. <laughs> I was like ten points. I was like, yeah, they, they can cover. I should have texted Brian I, Kelly a few more times. I got before. a plan for you, though. Um, you just go find uh, Prime. Go find Dion. He may give you a deal for Golden Corral. Oh, I know his you voice. Know I, mean? I know. He's get gonna, you, he's get gonna, you a deal. Take DJ to Golden. I know. Corral. I may have. To, I may have to. I'm gonna have to double up. Like Carolina doesn't play Indiana this year, so I can't. <laughs> That's right. I can't squeeze that Thank one goodness. out. But I got. <laughs> I got figure. Yeah. I got. I got to figure out a way to kind of weasel out of. Uh, weasel out of this. Stage. Okay. So look, it's not going to put you up on the top of the standings, but who you got in the game? You know, I think Alabama is better positioned to win this yep. one because I think this is a game where Clemson misses Dexter Lawrence. Um, and we'll find out for sure before – I think uh, as we go into the weekend whether he's going to be available or not. Yeah, and, and, and I think, like, it's, it's a long shot. Yeah. But if he's not available, uh, their run defense is drastically different without him. Oklahoma was a team that wanted to throw it. They didn't necessarily want to run it and kind of grind it. But the thing that we know about Bama, they want to pound it. They want to kind of pound you. Uh, they have three running backs that can all play and they can hit it between the tackles. And without the big run stopper in the middle, I think it can be problematic for Clemson. I think this is the game where the defense kind of begins to fatigue. And then on the outside, I don't know if they can match it with Alabama skill players. You That's- talk yeah. John Parker yeah. talked about all the playmakers that they have outside having four, maybe five number one receivers. He is absolutely true. We'll see because they can run it, they can throw it. The quarterback is special. Tough matchup for Clemson. But I am excited to see Trevor Lawrence because if Trevor Lawrence can kind of do it against this Alabama team, you talk about someone who's 
I mean, we can't even call it draft stock, but his, right. <laughs> his legend would be through the roof knowing that he has a couple more years before he can no get question. to the football. No question. I mean, two more years if if he's Jeez. able to win this year. It's unbelievable, it, it, right? It's nuts. Uh, but I'm with you on that. I'm picking Alabama as well. We'll run. Uh, we'll go wire to wire, 15 and 0 uh, with a victory. And it, to me, it comes down to the skill guys, uh, as as uh, John Parker mentioned to us, five deep. Um, and uh, I I just I feel like. You know, they are as potent as we have seen uh, on offense and in the pass game, and that makes a big difference because, you know, even if they need to muddy it up a little bit, we know they can do, they can do it on the ground. But this is uh, – their, their ability in the pass game this year separates them. So that's why I am going Alabama. What you got, Kent? What, how much do you guys think the fact that Clemson has a bunch of guys that beat Alabama in a title game two years ago factors in? Because I think a lot of it is when you play a team like Alabama, and frankly when you play a team like Clemson, you probably go into that mindset you're hoping to beat them, but deep down you think we need every break to That's get this done. Clemson, on the other hand, they've been there, done that. Last year they got crushed. There's no, there's yeah. no way around that. But two years ago in the title game, they beat Alabama. They moved the ball up and down the field. They had almost 100 plays. And then the season before that, there are still some guys on this team, Christian Wilkins, Hunter Renfro, guys that played as freshmen, and they nearly beat them. So I think the mindset, Alabama probably takes the field in 10 of their games a year. They've already won the second their uniforms are on the field. Yeah. Clemson's not one of those games. I, I, I think Clemson expects to win this yeah, game. It's a good point. I, don't th- I think they're not – they're certainly not intimidated. They've been there, done that against this team. I mean, now this this juggernaut version of Alabama is a little bit different than the one they beat two years ago. Yeah, I mean, I think that certainly that definitely has something to do with it. Like, yeah. uh, I think you have to get past the the mystique or the the awe factor that Alabama can create when they're on the field. Like just watching them. Uh, if you ever have the opportunity to watch Alabama and watch them come out and watch them come out in their splendor with all of the roll tide folks with toilet paper rolls and all that other stuff like kind of doing the deal it can be a lot and then you look down to the other end they're big they're imposing uh they're like a a machine when you see them in warm-ups in terms of the way they're going through things but for clemson clemson's old hat they've seen this three times they know exactly what it looks like they know exactly what they expect they have kind of tasted their power in terms of like they've tasted their physicality and toughness so i don't think it's anything that they have to get used to it really comes down to can Clemson execute at a high enough level to knock off Alabama? Because Alabama appears to be a team that can give you problems not only with their offense but also with their defense. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. That's a good point. A couple of good points there by Kent as well. And, and having seen this uh, this team and, and, and beaten them a couple of years ago with some of the guys that are still there for Clemson. So, uh, look, can't wait to watch it Monday night. January seventh. Who you taking? Who'd you take? I'm going Bama. I'm oh. going Bama because the skill guys. Way yeah. to go out. Way to go out on a. Yeah, yeah. I'm going on a limb on. Way this. to take the upset. There's no limb on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah these are two limb. pretty good teams. Way to, go, way to go out on a limb. Come on. Yeah, this is not David versus Goliath. <laughs> I'm just. I'm trying to go one and zero in the in the Nick Foles is one and zero. Wait, 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 wait. to go out on a limb. That was fun though. That was fun. So, what else we got here? Anything else? Anything else you want to get to? You good? No, I mean, I, I, I think, I think, it, man. It's, yeah, I think it's crazy. We got a great, great countdown to senior ball. bowl, countdown yeah. to uh, path West to Ryan. the draft, path to draft. How many Shred days? We don't even have a hundred days. How many no, days no, we had less, a path? less. Like, Middle of March, we're coming at you man. right here on NFL Network. So crazy. I know, bud. I know. Uh, all right, man. Well, as always, uh, you can check out uh, all of our. Move the sticks content, nfl.com slash MTS video, youtube.com slash NFL, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, download, subscribe, and leave a comment. We'll see you next time.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.